bringing you the truth behind the news. Welcome to The New American. Welcome everyone, I'm Paul Dragu. We're glad you can join us. The New American Daily takes the most important news stories of the day. We get rid of the propaganda and bring you the truth. And that makes us one of the most censored and attacked publications in America. So if you enjoy the show, please share these episodes with others. Now, congressional Republicans just approved two articles of impeachment against Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas, the architect behind the largest migrant invasion in U.S. history. Also, over in Europe, farmers are making a big stink about the policies and regulations threatening their livelihoods and the continent's food supply. We have all those stories coming up, as well as a discussion with John Birch Society CEO Bill Hahn about what Americans can do to stop the war on farmers here on our soil. But first, 24 Pennsylvania Republican legislators filed a lawsuit alleging that state election rules were changed by unconstitutional means. The lawsuit is aimed at Joe Biden, Pennsylvania Governor Josh Shapiro, and the Pennsylvania Department of State. The so-called elections clause in Article 1, Section 4 of the U.S. Constitution says, the times, places, and manner of holding elections for senators and representatives shall be prescribed in each state by the legislature thereof. But the Congress may at any time by law make or alter such regulations, except as to the places of choosing senators. This means that state legislators not governors or non-legislative officials, and certainly not the president, have constitutional authority over election laws. But since 2020, pretty much everyone, except for the legislature, have been changing Pennsylvania's election laws, and always in the name of fairness, of course. For example, in 2021, Biden's Executive Order 14019 required all federal agencies to develop plans to increase voter registration and participation. A number of federal departments, including Health and Human Services, House and Urban Development, Agriculture, and Education, they all rolled out new initiatives to increase voter registration at facilities where they exercise authority. Those included federal health centers, public housing projects, and universities. Then, in September 2023, Governor Shapiro changed voter registration laws and enacted automatic voter registration for anyone getting a driver's license. He did this despite the fact automatic voter registration has been proposed and defeated several times in the Pennsylvania legislature. Moreover, the Pennsylvania Department of State under Shapiro has issued numerous directives overriding election laws passed by the legislature, including a directive instructing counties to register people to vote even if they don't have the valid ID required by law. Now, the 24 plaintiffs are demanding that a court declare all of these obviously unconstitutional usurpations to be unconstitutional. The Biden and Shapiro administrations, of course, are insisting they've done nothing wrong. And they may well believe it because they and their counterparts in other states have been getting away with this sort of blatant disregard for the U.S. Constitution for quite some time. The Biden administration has been portraying all efforts to secure elections as wicked voter suppression by the far right. And a so-called fact sheet defending their high-handed interference in state election laws, the Biden administration said that the unprecedented nature and scale of the president's tax on voting rights must be met with federal legislation. All right, so joining me to discuss today's stories is editor-in-chief of the New American Magazine, Gary Benoit, and executive senior editor of the magazine, Steve Bonta. All right, welcome, gentlemen. Hey. So, Steve, this is what it's about, isn't it? Uh, federalizing the elections. 
That's, that seems to be the answer that we always hear from these folks. Well, I mean, as we saw in Article 1, Section 4, there is provision made for Congress to pass electoral-related legislation, but not for the executive branch. And that's what's been going on, in effect, has been that, you know, for a considerable period of time, <laughs> President Biden himself and various of his lackeys and lickspittles throughout the administration have been carrying out uh, reform, you know, so-called reforms in the name of increasing accessibility to the, you know, to the ballot box. Of course, you know, the, 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 the byword for a long time has been, well, well, voter access is being suppressed by, the, by, those, by those nefarious far-right extremists. You know, yeah. they're trying to prevent, you know, poor people, minorities from voting and on and on and on. Yeah. And so to combat this alleged ill, they have been uh, using the power of these various departments that have that, that, that are involved in facilities like hospitals, uh, rest homes, um, places where you get food stamps and, and yeah. things of, th of this nature to also get people registered and then, you know, and, and just, it, it, just in general using whatever their, their, their illicit power, you know, to, to, to get people to, to make voting – uh, registering for voting something that well and, and of course now in this in the case of the state of Pennsylvania per se the governor you know governor Shapiro in effect passed a law if you can call it that it was really a gubernatorial edict saying okay from now on when you get a driver's license you're in Pennsylvania you're automatically uh, yeah. registered to vote this is something that the state legislature has been deliberating on, has tried to pass on a number of occasions, and has, has not been passed. But of course, that's because until recently, the, the legislature in Pennsylvania was robustly controlled by Republicans, whereas, you know, the state, you know, the governor has been a Democrat for quite some time. So this is a way for the Democrats to, ex to, to exert their will yeah. because they know that, as we all do, that by making the voting franchise as easy as breathing or drinking yeah. that they can, you know, it makes, it makes fraud that much easier. Uh, you know, people, people voting who shouldn't be voting. Uh, there was also, and I think you mentioned it in, in the, the, in the, uh, in the monologue that there, there was, there was a case where they, um, you know, the, the law clearly stated that you couldn't, um, that, that if you didn't produce proper ID, you couldn't register, be registered to vote. And they simply by again the governor just ran roughshod over that and said, "Oh, we're going to do it anyway." You know, are they filing this with that. the with the Pennsylvania Supreme Court? Is that where this is being filed? Or yeah, I believe so. And this is this is the issue, of course, is that I don't think that this is something that the Supreme Court of the United States, regardless of how amicable they might be, yeah, or you know, sympathetic to the views of these twenty four Republican, mm -hmm. you know, legislators, uh, you know, plaintiffs, uh, they they may not be able to do anything about it. It's going to be adjudicated by. By courts, the court system in Pennsylvania, which I assure you is every bit as corrupt, partisan, pro-Democrat as the federal judiciary is proving to be. Well, thanks for that, all that optimism there, Steve. <laughs> no, I just as, as, as a former resident of Pennsylvania, I'm just telling you like it is. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, uh, there's, so there's probably no chance w that any of this will be fixed by 2024, is there? Well, we'll see. Yeah. There's always a possibility. What do you make of all this, Gary? It's nice to see, I guess, someone pushing back, but where, I mean, what, I think that's another question is why is, why did they wait so long? These were implemented long ago, weren't they? At least a year or so ago. Oh, well, some of this goes back to, actually, some of it goes back to before the 2020 election. I mean, there were, there was all, Pennsylvania is one of the states. I mean, what, what happened before 2020 was, and, that, and that's not actually mentioned in this particular action, as I understand, but before 2020, the secretary of state, I believe it was, simply 
came out and said, okay, here's the thing. We're going to do mail-in ba- uh, ballots. They're, yeah, gonna be, they're not going to be, they just completely did, you know, and, and, and at that time there was, you know, in the wake of the 2020 election, people pointed to that and said, that's what, you know, one of the reasons that Pen- you know, Pennsylvania's electoral laws are illegitimate mm-hmm. for the, as far as the 2020 election is concerned, because all of these reforms were made not by the legislature, but by the state secretary of, you know, the secretary of state. Yeah. And this is the same person who, came out and assured people months before the election that she she in effect was guaranteed that Pennsylvania would go to Biden that Trump would not win Pennsylvania you wow, know and of course really? people look at that subsequently and said aha well she obviously was in on the scam who knows the point is that the courts then systematically denied any review of yeah. what had happened after the election and said no no nothing to see here forget about it. it's over and done with you know nobody has any standing blah blah, blah. and so that's that's how it so this is this is an, a renewed attempt to address the, 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 this issue because there, there's been more skullduggery since 2020 wow. in an attempt to make sure that that state of affairs doesn't change in Pennsylvania, which is such a critical yeah. state for, for, for ensuring that, that the Democratic power, that the Democratic Party remains in power. Well, yeah, and Pennsylvania level. is obviously one of, what, three or four states that is really a battle state. I mean, we live in one here in, in Wisconsin. There's, there have been various reforms here or attempts at reforms. Do you know anything about that, Gary? Well, I know there are at least uh, attempts, but but it's being stymied, and the ballot box is being stuffed. And uh, of course, it's being stuffed not by not only by having low information voters vote, mm. but it's also being stuffed. Uh, I'm sure through uh, a lot of th- fraud. Because how do you monitor this when you have massive mail-in votes? Yeah, I mean, there was that case from uh, Connecticut that we reported not too long ago where they clearly stuffed these ballot boxes, these mail, and uh, the the race was overturned. So. That's clearly happening. Thanks, guys. After this, Republicans are going after the architect of the largest migrant invasion in U.S. history. In 1988, the John Birch Society produced a documentary so predictive, it's as though they had a time machine. Out of Control, Immigration Invasion was produced and hosted by investigative reporter William F. Jasper and looks at the growing problem of unrestricted illegal immigration that, in 1988, already saw upwards of 10 to 20 million illegal aliens within the borders of the U.S. Unknown agents from around the world using the southern border as easy entry. Certainly some are innocent families escaping hardship, but also certainly some are criminals, potentially terrorists, Is it not appropriate that there be some criteria for the entry of any sovereign nation? Why should the U.S. be different than Canada, Germany, Russia, Japan, or every other country on the planet? Out of control. Immigration invasion. Watch this time capsule of prescient wisdom at thenewamerican.com slash outofcontrol. Hey, listeners and readers, we want to hear from you. We want to know what you think about the stories we report, the way we report them, and what you'd like to hear more and less of, and any other comments or questions related to the New American Daily. You can send your comments and questions to dailyshow at thenewamerican.com. That's dailyshow at thenewamerican.com. And during our Friday episodes, we'll read some of your comments. Again, send your questions to dailyshow at thenewamerican.com. On Tuesday... The Republican majority on the House Homeland Security Committee approved two articles of impeachment against DHS Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas. Under Mayorkas, the United States has incurred a migrant invasion of unprecedented degree. The committee's action sets the stage for a vote by the full House. The first article of impeachment goes beyond just saying that Mayorkas did a bad job. It explicitly says right in the title that his refusal to comply with the law is willful 
and systemic. Then there's the second article of impeachment, which says that Mayorkas has breached the public trust. This article says that Mayorkas has knowingly made false statements and knowingly obstructed lawful oversight of the Department of Homeland Security. On Tuesday, before the Homeland Security Committee approved the articles of impeachment, Mayorkas sent an angry letter to committee chairman Mark Green denying the accusations. He said, you claim that we have failed to enforce our immigration laws. This is false. He then added, I assure you that your false accusations do not rattle me. Mayorkas comes across as indignant about the way Republicans are treating him, but we can't help but think that the man is simply a liar without a conscience. He has repeatedly claimed that the border is secure or that it is closed and always in the face of overwhelming evidence to the contrary. Last April, he was asked point blank during a congressional hearing if the border was secure. Here's what he said. It is my testimony that the border is secure and we are working every day, day and night to increase its security. And back in 2021, he said this on the ABC News program this week. The message is quite clear. Do not come. Uh, the border is closed. The border is secure. Now, for our listening audience, Mayorkas said those things with a straight face. He has told these whoppers again and again. Let's listen to Louisiana Congressman Clay Higgins' assessment from early January about what's really happening. On this committee, we've carried out our investigation, Secretary Mayorkas. I sit here today tell you, we're going to impeach him. He's going to be impeached. And he should be. He is the executive in charge of the border policy for, for President Biden. Secretary Mayorkas has brought generational trauma upon our country. Hundreds of thousands of American lives destroyed, hundreds of thousands dead, millions and millions wave upon wave of human misery coming across our southern border. We're losing our country down there. My God, my colleagues, you've got to recognize this. We've got to stop this arterial bleed. It's not about money. We spent less money in 2019 than we did in 23, a lot less through DHS, and we had the border under control. It's policy that has changed. And who is driving that policy? Secretary Mayorkas. So who shall be impeached? Quite rightfully so. Secretary Mayorkas. All right, Gary. So Higgins um, saying there what is clearly obvious. I think it was Monday or was it Tuesday? One of those days we ran a story with, um, with, uh, with some tape of the border patrol uh, council member there and he was saying it is the policies everyone right. knows it's the policies it's the policies but yet they want more money and uh, i would i would go so far as to label this guy a subversive uh he lies to congress and he knows what's happening and it continues that's the key because i i do know that the left argues that whatever the faults of mayorkas may be that it does not rise to the level of high crimes and misdemeanors. And maybe if you're simply stupid uh, or negligent, uh, maybe you can make a, a case. But here you have somebody who is entrusted with awesome authority, mm -hmm. authority to protect the borders of the United States of America. Uh, without which, without those borders, we cannot have a country. And uh, he is engineering the breakdown of those borders. He is engineering this, these massive uh, immigration waves that are coming across. 
And certainly many terrorists uh, uh, have been infiltrated into those waves. Uh, he is engineering the destruction of America. If that is not a high crime and misdemeanor, what is, Paul? Yeah, I, I can't believe where, where we are. You know, the, the narrative, and I brought this up, I think, yesterday as well. One of the narratives that's popping up in mainstream media now is if Trump wins, he's going to get all vindictive and go after his enemies. And the way I read that is if Trump wins, there's a good chance that his administration is going to look into the alleged most likely uh, possible crimes here by people like Mayorkas and the whole thing. It's clearly... Uh, it's clearly been orchestrated. So I think they're kind of setting the scene for that. Right. But I also wanted to point out, and we've we've reported on this as well, Mayorkas is actually, he worked under Obama and he was the architect of the DACA program. Uh, he claims to be, you know, he says he's, he's a refugee himself. So I, I guess there's obviously some connection there with others. Uh, where do, It's not going to go past the House, is it? It has very little chance of going anywhere because the Senate's not going to get it. Well, it's very uh, well. The Senate will get it if it is passed by the House, but uh, it's hard to imagine that the current Senate mm-hmm. uh, would actually convict and remove Mayorkas from from office. But nonetheless, a House impeachment, I think, would send a powerful signal on the part of the House yeah. that enough is enough. It's not going to stop it, is it? What's going to get this guy to stop it, Steve? Is it going to be kicking him out, get him out somehow? Well, basically nothing. I was just reflecting that um, this is quite an extraordinary event historically. We have impeached more presidents than we have impeached cabinet secretaries. We've, mm-hmm. in fact, only ever impeached one cabinet secretary in American history. That was Secretary of War William Belknap in 1875. And he was caught up in what was called the, the, the trading post scandal. He was basically he, – he had the power to appoint – people to, to run trading posts at, at, at places like Fort Sill and the Western Frontier, and it was very lucrative. And he took kickbacks. He and two of his wives took kickbacks. He was married several times. And, uh, and this included a, a very lucrative uh, deal selling weapons to Native Americans, to Indians. And it's believed that this may have contributed to Custer's catastrophic loss mm. at Little Bighorn or oh, Greasy wow. Grass a few years later after, after Belt and Belt. But, but Here's the difference. Belknap at least had the decency, a shred of human decency, to step down when it became obvious. He resigned a couple days before his impeachment. He was impeached anyway. It was sent under the Senate. The Senate failed to convict because they reasoned correctly, as happened with Trump as well. You can't really convict, you know, can't, shouldn't be impeaching someone who's already out of office because the purpose of impeachment is to remove him from office. This time around, we have this utterly shameless, brazen character who doesn't even have the decency to resign who insults and uh, and and lambastes people with you know how dare you accuse me of these things? Isn't that incredible? You know, and I would just make one other point, and that is, way back in you know post two thousand one, when this Department of Homeland Security was created, we at the New American repeatedly warned of the dangers of this organization, and most of the most acute dangers to the body politic that have been you know coming from the executive branch of the federal government ever since have emanated from that organization, whether it's the Patriot Act, whether it's the persecution of mm. uh, the January Sixers, and now of, and all, the, all this nonsense of the border, it's all being overseen by this same uh, malign department. I say we need to abolish the Department of Homeland Security in addition to, to impeaching this guy and probably some of his subordinates as right. well. And I agree completely. Is there a case that this is an unconstitutional department in the first place? Well, uh, obviously, because it's engaged in unconstitutional functions. Uh, how about the surveillance of the American people? 
Yeah, that's been going on for quite right. some time. And that doesn't seem yep. to be stopping. But there's m- much that can be done, even if it's not realistic today, to uh, remove Mayorkas from, from office. And part of that is the states rising to the occasion. And I got to add, hooray for Texas. Yeah. Well, that we'll see how that pans out, because that saga is still ongoing. Thanks, guys. After this, the French farmers have had enough. Hey, America. How tired are you of mainstream corporate media's biased narratives and manipulated news? Their dishonesty and attempts to influence this generation have been exposed, put on display for anyone who's even half paying attention. But the New American Magazine has been an honest source of news and commentary for over 50 years. This is your opportunity to receive the stalwart of principled journalism at a deep discount. Picture a beautifully published magazine arriving at your doorstep twice a month, packed with insightful stories written with integrity. It's also available digitally on the New American's mobile app. Get up to speed with intelligent coverage from a freedom perspective. Right now, for a limited time, the New American is available to radio listeners at a 25% discount on a new subscription. Visit thenewamerican.com radio25 and receive 25% off. Subscribe today at thenewamerican.com slash radio25. For more news and in-depth analysis from the New American Magazine, the kind that you will not get anywhere else, make sure you have a subscription to our twice-monthly print edition of the magazine. No other magazine has been as accurate and for as long about where policy and culture were heading than the New American. You can subscribe online at thenewamerican.com. Just hit the magazine tab on top, and then on the drop-down, hit the subscribe button. Or, if you prefer, you can call for a subscription. Call 1-800-727-8783, Monday through Friday from 8 to 5 Central Time. That's 800-727-8783. In the modern-day version of Les Miserables, French farmers are camping out at barricades around Paris and blocking highways into the city. It's a protest that's been going on for days. It's pushback against policies the farmers say threaten their livelihoods. High taxes and European Union regulations are the problems, along with a commodities market that's been flooded with cheap Ukrainian imports. Hundreds of tractors have made their way to Paris in convoys sort of like the Canadian truckers who protested vaccine mandates in 2022. French farmers' unions are threatening to block all major roads into Paris. They've even announced plans to encircle the presidential palace. So far, they've set up blockades of huge hay bales. They've set a shipment of red peppers on fire before toppling the semi-truck carrying it. They've lit piles of tires and straw bales on fire, and they've dumped trash and manure outside of government offices. Police are working overtime to keep them from shutting the city down. The interior minister has threatened to arrest the protesters, but Prime Minister Gabriel Attal has extend, extended an olive branch. He's promising help, like emergency financial aid, controls on imported food, a freeze on diesel fuel taxes, and a relaxation of environmental rules. But so far, farmers' unions are not satisfied. Industry experts are warning that France could be facing food shortages if the protests continue. Officials, on the other hand, are worried these ticked-off farmers may spell trouble for this year's Olympic Games, which are set to begin on July 26th in Paris. But French farmers aren't the only ones making a big stink. Belgian farmers have also staged large-scale protests. The Telegraph reports that Environmental Minister Céline Tellier had to flee a protest when the atmosphere turned hostile. In Germany, thousands of farmers descended on Berlin two weeks ago to protest high taxes 
and the seeming preference of government officials for imports over local products. The head of the German Farmers Union promised to stay put until government puts an end to its overreach. And Spain's farmers are taking a cue from their neighbors, with farm associations announcing plans to stage protests in February against onerous EU policies and regulations. Drought in southern Spain has not helped matters. All right, guys. So this is, I guess, kind of encouraging to see the Europeans have some fight in them. I, you know, I've, I've seen lots of this footage where they're rolling hay bales and manures into restaurants and whatnot. I don't condone illegal action, but I can't help but kind of be proud of them. Well, is that condoning? This is just to point this out, this is this has become a national tradition in France, French farmer protests. I mean, the last decade we had in, you know, in 2013. So this isn't you. Oh, no, no. In 2013, they had the- They're the, always ticked off. The huh? Bonnet Rouge protest where the farmers all donned red caps and went around doing much the same as what they're doing now. And then and at that time, they were they were protesting ostensibly for lower taxes and fewer government regulations. And two years later, 2015, they, they went out again and started barricading the highways with their tractors. Did they want more regulations? They wanted they? more subsidies. <laughs> They wanted more government oversight. So it's not necessarily the principle of the thing. It is, however, encouraging to see this movement internationalized. It's yeah. not just in France. It's it's cropping up, so to speak, ah, all, over, like all over Europe. <laughs> and uh, yeah, and, and so, I mean, what the European Union is trying to do is pretty much destroy the agricultural sector altogether. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know exactly what what they have in mind as far as, as feeding people, but I think the vision is, well, we want to just completely offshore all the dirty stuff like agriculture to these poor countries that need to develop anyway, and we're just going to do cool, you know, high-tech stuff and all the rest of this. Yeah. But, but farming, you know, that's just yeah, so that's backwards so... in 19th century. Who wants to do that? Yeah, but the, the thing you about know. it is, as, as you likely know, is, is in France and in people in places like even Italy and Greece and everywhere they have food, one of the main reasons that it's the case is because food is local. They mm. love there's, – there's nothing that beats local food. So how, how in the world – what are they thinking over there, Gary? Well, uh, I, I just want to make the observation that listening to this report on what the French farmers are doing, it reminded me of a Frenchman going back to the 19th century by the name of Frederick Bastiat mm. or Bastiat. Yeah. And uh, he wrote a book called The Law. And, uh, uh, and I'm recalling a quote. It was not in the law itself, but in his other writings. But uh, he warned about the poison and the antidote being made in the same laboratory. Oh. And, uh, you know, obviously the French farmers have every reason to be uh, upset because their livelihoods are, are being threatened. Yeah. And, of course, everybody should be concerned, not just same? farmers. Well, my, my point is this, that uh, you create a problem uh, and you create it through government interventionism and you offer a solution. And what is that solution? If the solution is more socialism, you're going to make the problem worse. Uh, obviously, we want to deregulate, but how about if the solution is subsidies to the uh, the farmers? Yeah, uh, does that not make uh, the farmers uh, a source of the uh, of the all powerful state? Are there any regulations that um, would benefit them? I, for, for instance, you know the the import part, where I guess they're favoring. Was it in Germany that we we're talking about? What they're favoring? They're ticked off because they're favoring imports from Ukraine. Should there be a regulation against or that would cap the amount of imports a nation uh, takes in? Well, I, I, I think that'd be up to the, the people of, of France. Yeah. But uh, I don't think that should be approached from uh, the point of view 
of uh, solving the problem with the, the food supply because that problem is being cr created by the French government and it's being created by the EU. EU. Yeah, they're taking their cues from 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 the French. I mean, right, and, and we've seen like already, in, in, probably most egregiously in the Netherlands, that the EU's policies that are now being adopted by the subordinate, you know, national governments, deliberately, even maliciously, are disincentivizing agriculture. And mm -hmm. in some cases, I mean, it's probably the most, again, most blatant in the Netherlands because they're saying, in effect, well, you know, we kind of want to, we want to scale back farming because farming is bad for the climate. You yeah. know, it comes back to the climate and the environment, all this other stuff. Yeah, yeah that's and, what. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, maybe that's the chief motivation right. for this. But, but that's a, that's a pretext, though. Yeah. Uh, that's a pretext to uh, bring about control because that's the, what this is all about is control of the food supply. And to cite an extreme example, and, uh, and this extreme example could repeat itself in our age. But look what happened in Ukraine, uh, where the uh, the Soviet authorities manufactured, uh, they created a famine in order to bring the people of Ukraine, to bring the Ukrainians under heel. Yeah, and that's not the first time. Back I in the 1930s, we should clarify. Yes, yeah. yes. yes. A lot of Thank more. Thank you. Right? <laughs> well, and, and this happened in Africa, too. We reported on that. I believe there was... In a, Ethiopia, sure. In Ethiopia. The, the big famine in Ethiopia in the mid-1980s was wholly engineered by the communist tyrant Mengistu. Yeah. To, by way of in, in areas of, of of Ethiopia like like Tigray that that were that had secessionist movements that he basically starved them into submission, and he and even after the Western food supplies went in, he, he would simply it, he? yeah he would simply confiscate them in Addis Ababa and deliver deliver them to his own people and prevent them from reaching the you know the recalcitrant regions that were are sick and tired of this tyranny. Yeah, and they, weren't they also blaming that on the climate even back then or what was what Not was that I recall, no. What was the culprit back then? Because I imagine the way this is going to go is once they once we begin having food shortages if we get to this point, then they are going to say it's the climate, you know, the the yields are getting smaller, there's you know, we have overpopulation. They're going to blame everything but themselves who are obviously causing this. So I don't know how this is going to turn out, but I'm glad to see that they're waking up. And we need to wake up over here, too, because there's various right. attacks on our farmers here. And we are going to talk a little sure. bit more about that. But and we need I, to approach it the, the right way, too. We can't afford to get And, and by that, I mean using the freedoms that we still have in order to save our freedoms. Because uh, I, I can see uh, uh, the insiders, you know, the, the global architects, uh, hoping for violence that they can then use as a pretext yeah. to bring about their totalitarian controls. Yes, yes. So we, we got we to gotta make sure that doesn't happen. And I got to take back my comments about how proud I was about the French. <laughs> After this, I'll be talking to Bill Hahn about the attack on American farmers. Hi, I'm Alan Keyes. I'm the host of IMTV's uh, daily talk show about uh, news and events in America. And I want to say a good word for the New American Magazine. Uh, not only because Alex Newman has joined us as somebody who is periodically hosting a show, but because uh, New American Magazine represents an alternative media that is willing to tell people the truth. Uh, with so much fake news spreading, spreading about, and the fact that right now this country is in an existential crisis, we remember who we are and where we come from and what our principles are, or we die. Reading New American Magazine can keep you up to the minute on the issues that are challenging us as a people and on which that survival hangs. You can check it out and subscribe at www.thenewamerican.com.
The New American has just released our latest bookazine, a collection of articles on self-reliance. It's called Self-Reliance, Foundation of Freedom. Without individual responsibility and without the ability to take care of ourselves without government help, we cannot be free. In this Polish Collector's Edition, we have articles on a number of important topics, including the self-sufficiency of the founders, preparing for a worst-case scenario, firearm self-reliance, building a wood shack, and the importance of community, among many other topics. Now, the authors of the articles are experts in their fields. We encourage you to get a copy. You can order your copy at thenewamerican.com forward slash shop, or you can call our office at 800 727-8783. However you do it, make sure you get your copy of Self-Reliance, The Foundation of Freedom. I'm joined by the CEO of the John Birch Society, Bill Hahn. Welcome, sir. Hey, thank you, sir. Much appreciated. Hey, so those European farmers we talked about last segment, they're not the only ones um, that could be in trouble. And uh, the Europeans' food supply is not the only one that could really dwindle because of this attack on farmers. Very true, yeah. As a matter of fact, uh, the... Uh the issue that we came out with, uh, when was it here? September 12th of 2022, the war on farmers and food uh, basically talks about the global war on farmers, you know? So it's it's not just, uh, you know, those that are in in the, e, in the EU. Yeah. Uh, but yet, as we, as we point out in here, I mean, so uh, Alex Newman had written uh, this this particular article and he writes in here, it's South Africa, it's China, it's Brazil, it's Sri Lanka, you know, and that was a huge one, right? Yeah. Uh, Canada, obviously the British Isles and the Netherlands and now the United States. Yeah, I mean, with Sri Lanka, I mean, they totally fell apart. Oh, absolutely, yeah. I mean, it, it collapsed their, their their economy. But that's because they were trying to follow uh, the, um, um, the the directive, I guess, from the United Nations in regards to the climate change and how, you know, we need to uh, cut emissions and so on and so forth. They moved then from, um, you know, the synthetic uh, fertilizers over then into organic just overnight. And mm-hmm. you you cannot do that you know, from an agricultural standpoint, you know, you actually have to work your way into that. And yeah. So that's what, that's what collapsed it. You would think they know that. I mean, because I'm, I'm a fan of organic food. I think you are too. Sure. And, uh, I think in concept, based on what I know, I used to cover ag at, when I was a reporter in Montana and I, and you know, it's like those organic is coming up, but I guess the idea here is, and it seems to be practically true is that, like you said, if we make this sudden switch, the food, uh, the food supply is going to dwindle pretty drastically, and it could mean really big trouble for for the population of the of the global population, right? Absolutely, you know, and and having you know uh, having an egg background myself, growing up on a, on a cranberry marsh, there there are certain certain um, sustainable pra- or s- certain practices uh, through in agriculture that have come about basically out of out of necessity. You know, so you, you have only so much land and you're trying to produce, you know, more and more to, uh, you know, mm. keep up with the market uh, and so on and so forth. But there are so many, um, how can you put it? Um, Farmers for, face a for, lot of force, challenges. Well, challenges and forces that the government are, are basically yeah. placing on these folks. Uh, I mean. And that's on top of the natural challenges that you have as a farmer. Absolutely. I mean, right. With, with the weather and the land, you know, and, and uh, rodents and things of that nature, pests. Uh, so. It, it, it's interesting to 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 actually get into a discussion in, in regards to okay, so really, who's in control of all of this, you know? And it's 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 been on at least domestically in the United States, it has been the United States federal government that has actually um, you know really done a, a lot of damage you know to the to the American farmer, given its policies, uh, 
the uh, the policies of 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 it, um, you know, paying farmers to to, uh, to not, not grow something, yeah, leave land fallow. Um, you know, it's you know they those, just, just those CRP good. programs work. Yeah, because I think that's that's what the, is it the CRP where they it's their conservation programs and they said sure. we'll pay you not to grow food and you know lots of people take it here in Wisconsin back in Montana where I was and I'm sure yeah. e everywhere else and the federal subsidies that, that go along with all that which takes us right to the you know to the attack here on on farmers in in, in the U S federal subsidies have really been you know uh, putting the the industry in such a situation that. Now they're they are uh, they're forced to basically produce more and more and more in order to keep up with you know with with global demand, but then you know we are we are starting to see the number of of, of uh, farm ownerships actually you know go down drastically. Mm. Yeah. But yet the size of of the average farm is you know is it's is exploding. exploding. They're cons consolidating. Yes. Yes. And yeah. that's you know and that's that's out of necessity, but. That's been happening for decades. In order to switch them over to, or to have, and, and it's not even the government's position or the government's responsibility to do, to do this, to switch them from, you know, one to, you know, to, to another, uh, you know, method of, of farming. It should be, you know, the farmers themselves in relation to the, you know, to the free market, you know, throw, throw away all of these, these taxpayer dollars that are, they're going into, mm -hmm. um, you know, these, what we consider the agenda 2030 pipeline projects. Um, the the carbon capture pipeline. Uh, this is all has to do with you know with the, with the agenda twenty one agenda twenty thirty coming from the United Nations, um, and of course then you take a look at what's going on in the, in the EU. All of this climate change, right? It, all this stuff is 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 tied directly to that. Yeah. And so we we look at what's going on here in the U.S. and you've got um, so last year the um, Inflation Reduction Act you know was really pushing. Uh, and had a, I think it was thirty billion dollars, you know, yeah. worth of worth of money in there just for just for pipelines. Yeah. And the industry is saying, okay, so we're we're going to we're going to take you up on this, and this is this is where you're seeing uh, these these pipelines then come into play. So we're looking at North Dakota, South Dakota, Iowa, mm -hmm. uh, now getting to uh, you know Minnesota and, and Illinois. Um, the and. It's not so much that we're against the pipeline, so you know per se. I thought we were. We are ridiculous, we, aren't they? <laughs> we are against anything that is is going to violate property rights. Yeah, I mean the pipeline is is based on first of all the scam that is climate uh, climate Absolutely. change, uh, and Absolutely. then and then it, the, there's the scam that carbon dioxide is bad. It's, it's quite the opposite, and then they use that to uh, to violate. Uh, property rights they go on people i mean we reported months ago how they uh these companies private companies go on yes. private landowners property who do not want them there and they start drilling and surveying yes. that's insane a absolutely it is you know and especially too when it comes to eminent domain there should be zero reason why a private company yeah gets to go on to somebody else's property yeah to, you know to to do that that's that should never happen yeah you know so when i when i when i say that we're not necessarily against you know pipelines per se I'm talking about all pipelines. Oh, okay. You know, I'm not. I, so, yeah, definitely against the you know, carbon capture pipelines. Yeah. But you know what? If if a company, we love an oil pipeline. Well, huh? <laughs> <laughs> well, it was long, as long as it didn't violate, you know, yeah. property rights. If if there is a company that wants to go onto you know private property, uh, or or buy their own property or whatever, and do just what they're doing here, um, fine. You know, th there's a number. There's a number of of ethanol plants. You know, around the country. Uh, in these in these particular areas, uh, they've got plenty of land, yeah. you know, or they could at least purchase or rent or whatever the, ca the case may be. But 
don't come to the American farmer and say, you're either going to give this to us or, or, or we're, we're going to come to some sort of agreement yeah. or we're going to take this from you through, through, through court One way or another. So you better just yeah. settle with us. That's, yeah. that's the way that's, they've been and operating. And that, no, exactly. And so the way to, to, to stop all that is basically to organize. Uh, you, you have different um, uh, options on, on, as far as, you know, what you can do on a local level, what you can do on a state level. And, you know, I know that the New American has, has interviewed, you know, plenty of folks that have, you know, offered uh, particular uh, opportunities to, to get involved from a standpoint of, of Mr. Steve Kinkle mm -hmm. uh, in Shelby from County, Iowa, Iowa yeah. right? Uh, I believe he's the chair of the, the Board of Supervisors there. Yeah. Um, you know, he has a list of, of, of 12 items, and I know it's on our website, um, you know, over at uh, jbs.org yeah. uh, with the war on farmers. But you can, you can look at those 12 things. But organization has worked in North Dakota and South Dakota as well. Absolutely. And they're yeah. on the verge. It looks like, correct me if I'm wrong, you may be keeping up with this more than me. Uh, they're on the verge of basically passing laws to prevent what they've, the excuses they've used to intrude on people's property rights, violate so, their rights. So there, there's, there's some movement, but there's, there's also um, some, some scuttling going on beca because of those. So it, it may reach, uh, it may not even get out of committee because of, of, yeah. of that. And this is, this is not good. Yeah. This is from a standpoint of, of, of playing politics, you know? And so we, we don't look at this as a Republican versus Democrat, uh, you know, thing, because there are, there are both parties that are, um, they're kind of involved. Well, yeah. they're in cahoots basically with with some of these these crony capitalists. Yeah, and I, I hate to even say capitalist because uh, this, is, not. this is not how it works. Crony capitalism is yeah. not capital. It's no. not free market capitalism no. anyway. So we need to get organized, and, and uh, you know the best way to do that is to join the John Birch Society. Go to gbs.org, take a look at War yeah. on Farmers, and get involved. Yeah, yeah, we're not just saying that. Our folks have been doing terrific job, uh, terrific work on the ground. Absolutely. So we're going to provide that link uh, in the description. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in to another episode of the New American Daily. Remember to visit newamerican.com for more truth-finding news.